0: Hello and welcome to the Being Well podcast. I'm Forrest Hansen. In our last episode, we began talking about the strength of confidence, particularly focusing on the big topic of secure and insecure attachment. Today, we're going to talk about the first and second darts first darts being the largely unavoidable negative experiences in life, and second darts being our much more avoidable reactions to those experiences. So joining me to talk about how we can manage those reactions is, as always, Dr. Rick Hansen. So could you describe, just to provide some framing for this topic, what you mean by the first and second dart, and also kind of explain how it relates to the overall strength of confidence? Well,
1: the metaphor comes from the Buddha, and sometimes the word dart is translated as arrow, and the origin of the metaphor is in a passage in which he says many people live their lives in such a way as if a man were struck by an arrow. And let's keep in mind that 2,500 years ago, it was fairly routine for various clans to fight with each other, including shooting each other with bows and arrows. So right. he says, it's as if a man struck by an arrow, instead of dealing with, with the arrow directly, mm-hmm. were to just start spinning out about what kind of an arrow is it, where was it shot from? Why are they picking on me? <laughs> of what color are the feathers? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Rather than dealing with the arrow, the discomfort, the pain, immediately and directly. So it's the distinction between the first arts of life that are, you could say, unavoidable, inescapable, uh, physical or social slash emotional pain. The brick drops on your foot, you're going to feel some pain. Or if you lose someone you love, naturally enough, you're going to feel some pain. That's the inherent part of life. To kind of use a bit of a cliche, as the saying has it, uh, pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. So the second dart refers to the reactions that we add to the first darts of life. Second darts also include getting upset about things that are actually not bad inherently in and of themselves, And also, sometimes second darts are about being upset when good things happen to you. And if you really think about it to finish up, most of our suffering really is not about first darts. It's about our secondary reactions to them. Of course, none of this is to diminish the impact of first darts or in any way to argue against doing what we can out in the world to reduce first darts for other people. I mean, there's a place for doing what we can to minimize first darts in our own lives. But the bulk of most people's suffering, certainly my own, is in
0: the category of second darts. Could you give an example of this, either from your life or just generally? Yeah. So
1: let's suppose in the uh, and relating to confidence. So let's suppose that somebody is dismissive or critical of oneself. So mm-hmm. let's suppose someone is dismissive or critical of me. How dare they? They give me a 1-star review for a book on Amazon because somehow Amazon didn't deliver the right Kindle to their address. Sure. All right. So <laughs> let and let's suppose or maybe let's suppose there's some truth to it. Maybe you're at work and your your supervisor or coworker points out that you messed up in some way and mm-hmm. you got to admit it. It's true. All right. In reaction to that um, rejection or disapproval—it's natural to have a certain amount of uh, disappointment arising, or concern, or uneasiness. And if you ask yourself, "Okay, what's the minimum appropriate amount of negative reaction to that negative stimulus?" and we might step back and we might say, "You know, being bothered by it for a few minutes—that's that's understandable. Sure, this side of enlightenment, it would be normal." to be bothered by that for a minute or two or three. But it's when we get caught up in it and we keep rehashing it in our mind, we ruminate about it, we get caught up in building a case against that person who dared to give us that one-star review or why is Amazon like that? Curse you, Jeff Bezos, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Or if we start lambasting ourselves, um, you know, I'm so terrible, I I always mess up, I never do anything right at work, Mm -hmm. my boss is going to hate me, I'm going to get fired, I'm going to lose my health insurance, I'm going to be living out of a dumpster before I, you know.
0: Yeah, there's a lot more suffering in that than there was in the initial moment of somebody telling you that you didn't do a thing quite right.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: A weird version
1: of this is the old saying, a hero dies but once, a coward dies a thousand times. Mm. It's that repetitive looping through the pain circuits that constitutes the second dart reactions. And you can see why that produces so much suffering for us.
0: So first dart things happen to all of us. And we can do some things to control those to a certain extent. We can take practical steps in our lives to limit the number of bad experiences we're exposed to. To use the example at work, we can try hard and do a good job and all of that good stuff. But there's a certain amount of stuff that happens in life that's just kind of unavoidable. And a bad thing happens, and then it gets into the second dart. So what you're saying here is we have a lot more control over those second dart reactions than we do over the first dart bad things that happen to us. Is that more or less right?
1: That's right. If you think of the kind of conditions that produce first darts for people, physical health problems, Mm -hmm. chronic pain, Mm -hmm. Uh, or... Intractable life circumstances, conditions, where you live, living in a country or in a region uh, in which the job market is really poor, having uh, the impact today of events that occurred five weeks ago or five years ago. Those are first starts of various kinds that we just don't have much effect over, much influence over other people, how they treat us, what they do, whether they die on us. Things mm-hmm. like that. Really, we don't have a lot of influence over. It. Yes, we should do what we can, but we this can't affect them that much. What we can do, I should add, though, in even though if we can't deal with first starts, we can build up this so-called unshakable core inside mm-hmm. ourselves of, of resilient well-being over time, so that um, kind of like growing a shock absorber inside or a buffer inside, when first start events occur the impact of them in terms of first start reactions is not so great over time. And I think that's very doable. But often where we have influence is the first start has landed and then the ripple effects, the shockwaves from that event have spread out inside you. Then as the clock ticks, one second later, one minute later, one hour later, one day later, what are you doing inside yourself?
0: So what are some of the things you can do inside of yourself to kind of limit those second dart reactions? It's
1: great. I can think of three in particular. Mm-hmm. The first thing I think is really useful is to accept first darts as what they are.
0: Mm.
1: It's our resistance to pain that actually tends to create more pain. And in psychological research, probably two of the major factors of mental health issues, and the, these are factors that... Uh, uh, sort of our uh, umbrellas for other factors as well. But the two factors are um, poor distress tolerance, which means essentially a person can't handle first darts. And the other factor is negative rumination, just going inside their mind, which is the definition really of second dart activity. So if a person can hold their pain in mindful awareness, if a person can simply be with it, as we've spoken earlier, is one of the three great ways to practice with your mind, that itself uh, reduces the reverberating impact of the first start. It kind of grounds out quickly. Or a different way to put it is don't get upset that you're upset. Very often something happens and we have a natural emotional reaction. We're, we're hurt. But instead of just being with the first start of the hurt, we get caught up in anger at the other people. And then we get caught up in our case about them. And then we get caught up in self-criticism about why am I being so mean to other people still Mm -hmm. round and round Mm -hmm. and round round it goes. And that whole second dart cascade would be grounded out. It would be neutralized. If the person could simply be with the hurt, let it flow, let it have its life It usually passes through in a few minutes or less. Maybe it comes back a little bit later, but each time it comes back, it tends to be softer and milder. And then it gradually just fades away. It's a little bit like throwing a stone into a pond or a boulder into a lake. Uh, If you just let the ripples spread out, they fade fairly quickly. But if you try to block them in some way, well, then you create a sort of shock effect uh, that's not so good for yourself. So the first suggestion would be to simply try to accept first-start pain for what it is. Including, by the way, not thinking that, oh, this should not have happened. How dare reality treat me in this way? Um, Getting caught up in me, myself, and I is a a major driver of resisting first-starts. A sense of, oh, I don't deserve this to have happened, or, oh, the universe is so unfair rather than letting the event be what it was, you know, you're right. You were walking in the crosswalk, the light was green, and that driver went through the red light and took you out. And you're right. It was unfair, period. And we can stop there without getting caught up in, oh, how I should have... Uh, been more attentive or, oh, uh, if I'd only not been distracted by that person, I would have been through the crosswalk 30 seconds sooner and that drunk driver would not have hit me. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't need to get caught up in all that very self-referential kind of processing. Like like you, for example, Forrest, one thing that's interesting to me about you Mm -hmm. is you don't tend to add second art reactions. You're pretty straightforward. The bad event happens You sort of see it for what it is. Mm -hmm. You don't tend to exaggerate how bad it was. And um, fairly quickly, you move on. And it's kind of Mm -hmm. interesting to observe it about you. And I've watched you because I'm, of course, a therapist. I don't mean to get into your head, but it's more (laughs) like it's not because you're suppressing your reactions. You don't like it. It bugs you. I could see a little steam coming out of your ear. But then fairly quickly, you just sort of move on to, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to cope with this?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that it kind of relates to some of the material that we were talking about last episode Mm. around secure and insecure attachment. Mm. And... I would say that in most of my relationships, you're right, I'm pretty good at experiencing an event, feeling whatever I feel about it, and then saying, okay, now what? Which I think for me is the real takeaway from all of the material we're going to talk about with Second Darts. It's about that just kind of adopting a stance inside of yourself of, okay, now what? Yeah. But I will say that there are some relationships that I have where I struggle being more first start oriented, and they're probably the ones where I feel a little bit more insecurely attached. You know, it's um, if you're in a really vulnerable relationship with an important person in your life, often if it's a romantic relationship or something like that, or where you feel very personally implicated about some bad thing that you did. You know, it's not like I've never been trapped into a, in a cycle of negative rumination about something. I can think of two major ones off the top of my head, and both of them were in relationship. Interesting. You know, they were about exactly kind of a connection with somebody else, which ties into something that I think we're going to get into in a second after you finish the other two ways to kind of move through a second dart reaction. So we have that first one. Um, what's another way that you can kind of manage a second dart?
1: Don't fuel them. Okay. That's such a critically important thing. Um, And to put it a little differently, if you've been throwing second darts, Mm -hmm. stop there. Don't throw third, fourth, and fifth darts. Sure. In other words, as soon as you notice that you are um, ruminating about, obsessing about, what happened? Obsessing about obsessing or yeah, ruminating. Obsessing about about ruminating. Obsessing. Sure. There's a term in Buddhist psychology dukkha dukkha means suffering that you're suffering. Yeah. How? Why am I suffering yet again? Mm-hmm. Why am I suffering that I'm suffering yet again? Mm-hmm. You know, like a hall of mirrors. So, and that's the key distinction. Disengage attention, don't fuel it. Watch that tendency to build up a case against other people or to build up a case against yourself or to keep rehashing things repetitively or going over and over uh, anxieties that you have by thinking about all the bad things that can happen over which you have no control. It's this fundamental matter of, uh, it goes back to that metaphor we've used before of the two wolves in the heart, one of love, one of hate, which one do you feed? Or more generally, you find this uh, in spiritual psychology and in other sources uh, about withdrawing nutriment. In other words, if we stop watering and fertilizing the poisoned fruit, it'll tend to wither on the vine. So that's the second thing for people. It's to be very careful about fueling second art reactions. And you can really ask yourself, is this adding value? By focusing attention to this thing or getting caught up in it, am I doing that in the service of releasing? Mm-hmm. okay maybe i'm venting inside my own mind for a few minutes about how they did me dirt and it really bugs me and i'm doing that as a way to name it to myself and to allow myself a certain amount of healthy outrage inside myself all right and then tick tock tick tock three minutes later 30 minutes later you know come on am i really ready to move on that's the key question uh what's uh the function that my preoccupation is mm-hmm. serving with this particular thing. And much of the time when we really look closely at it, we'll realize it's not serving anything. It's just adding to your suffering. So that's the second major uh, suggestion with regard to second darts. Be mindful of fueling them, and as best you can, stop pouring gasoline on
0: that fire. Okay, and then is there a final way to yeah. manage those second dart reactions? Yeah,
1: a third one is to switch gears to something positive.
0: Okay, so just change the focus of your Change attention. the channel.
1: Change the channel, switch. I mean, what's a dart? A dart is a form of, is painful, Mm -hmm. right? Focus as best you can authentically to something that's positive. Like, okay, there was that loss or there was that disappointment. Where can you be grateful? Or where have you been successful in attaining your goals? Or, okay, that person gave you a one-star review or the equivalent, (laughs) right? Where have other people spoken well of you? Mm -hmm. Or where can you know yourself that you're good? And um, shifting gears to something positive is a great way to kind of increasingly crowd out um, any kind of preoccupation with second darts.
0: Great. So to come back to something I talked about a minute ago, many of the first darts that come to people come to them through relationships. Most of the big negative rumination experiences I've had in my life occurred because of a relationship with somebody else. So, specifically with regards to managing second darts in relationship with other people, do you have any suggestions or recommendations about how to move through that process in more of a healthy way?
1: Yeah. First, there's a version of the first suggestion I had, which is to accept first darts and to not add uh, secondary reactions of resistance to them, applies in relationships because a lot of our first dart experiences in relationships are ones in which we feel devalued by others sometimes it stirs up feelings of insecurity or inadequacy or or self-doubt and it's kind of a geeky reflection but it actually helped me to accept first starts and to just be with them let the boulder drop into the pond let the ripples disperse and then a few minutes later sometimes just even a few breaths later move on the reflection was how a preoccupation with reputation, which is kind of at the base of many first art reactions and relationships, mm-hmm. that preoccupation with reputation, scientists have figured out, is the necessary condition for the evolution of altruism in mm-hmm. the human species, which is very, very rare in the animal kingdom. And the basic idea is that if people don't care about reputations, then freeloaders can rip off the altruism of others suppressing the evolution of that psychological attribute. On the other hand, if reputations are known and if they matter in small bands, such that freeloaders are punished for just ripping off altruistic others, that creates both the protection for the evolution of altruism, one of the most beautiful things in all of its forms, generosity, kindness really extending ourselves with others without any sense of self-interest involved that's uh, a space is preserved for that if reputations matter and also uh, since reputations matter the reputations of altruistic individuals would be helpful to those individuals to having more genes that pass on genes so when i realized partly by reading some you know evolutionary neuropsychology that it was natural that I was getting my knickers in a twist when mm. I felt kind of left out or put down in some way, um, then I could just feel left out or put down and heard about it for a moment or two in a kind of a natural way, much as it's natural to experience pain if like a hot spark lands on our skin. It's natural to experience social pain if social disapproval lands on our metaphorical skin. And by realizing that, I was more able to accept those kinds of first starts.
0: Great. I think that those are some useful tools for managing second darts in relationships. Before we come to a close here, is there anything else that you would like to add about the whole territory of first and second dart reactions? Yeah. You know, if you think about our impact on other people,
1: often what disturbs other people the most is not our first dart reaction to them, Mm -hmm. but our second, third, fourth, and fifth dart reaction to them. Mm. What I mean by that. Is let's suppose you're with somebody else Mm -hmm. and they do or say something that's hurtful, rejecting, wounding, disturbing in some way. Mm -hmm. Maybe they said they'd meet you for lunch and they just they're half an hour late and they don't acknowledge that they are half an hour late. Something has happened. If we can name the first dart simply as a first dart, if we can simply say, you know, when this happened, when you said that thing to me or when you showed up half an hour late this is how I felt. And I just want you to know that. If we leave it at that, first dart as first dart. Generally, other people might squirm, they might twitch, they might get a little defensive, but it's they tend to be more willing to accept it. And also, because we haven't gotten into a whole bunch of second dart reactions, there's they can't get distracted or find fault with how we've gotten uh, over the top. We've over They can't find fault with how we've overreacted, and they've got to face the first dart directly. On the other hand, if we get caught up in our second dart reactions and start dumping them on other people, that tends to create a lot of disturbance in relationship. So to me, one of the takeaways here is that one more reason to try to stay closer to the first darts is that... We're less likely to get into trouble with other people and land on them, not just as a first dart in which we name the first dart that they threw at us, but land on them as a whole bunch of second darts from us that then in turn, they're going to start throwing second, third, fourth, and fifth darts
0: in reaction to. Great. Yeah. I think that that lines up with my own experience of conversations like that. It's always difficult to bring some form of a correction to somebody else, even if that correction is just a sharing of your experience. But when you wander from a pure sharing of your experience into any kind of and that's how that made me feel. And here's how that feeling made me feel. And, and that's why it's really, bad. And that's why it's bad. And, and you should really you're think about the impact on other people. And why didn't you do the X this one? Like the more the narrative gets kind of um, thorny or twisted, the more difficult it is for another person to say, hey, you know what? You're right. Yeah. Because you're, right. you're not just conceding, oh, yeah, I should have been on time you're conceding to this whole meta-narrative that the other person has created about your behavior, which 100%. may or may not be accurate.
1: Yep, 100%. Yeah.
0: So if you want to bring that correction to someone, normally best to just rest in your own experience. Just stay with that first word. Yeah, as simple as you can make it, as direct and clear as you can make it. And to kind of echo some things that we've said previously, to try to practice a little bit of non-attachment to view. Mm. You know, to say, hey, here's what happened, here's how I felt, and you can kind of do what you will with that. Yeah. Great. So that was our episode on the first and the second dart to do a very quick recap. We talked about the impact of experiences on us. We all feel negative experiences, bad things happen to everyone. The real question is, and now what? Yep. The bad thing that happens is the first dart. The reaction to that first dart is the second dart. That's the dart that we throw at ourselves. In general, we can control some first dart experiences But many bad things will happen to you in life, kind of regardless of the steps that you take to moderate them. So what we can really control is those second dart reactions to those experiences. You covered a variety of ways that we can sort of limit the impact of second darts in our lives. And then you sort of had a mention of me being pretty okay with second darts. And I was like, well, in general, but sometimes relationships are tricky. Yeah. And I think that for a lot of people, they find relationships to be a particular source of second darts in their life. So you also gave a few reflections on how we can manage second darts inside of our relationships with others, concluding with that thought of, hey, when you're sharing that experience with someone, really try and stick to the first dart without bringing too much Second Art material into it. So I hope you enjoyed our podcast today. So until next time, thanks for listening.